my name is Keen and I am here. And my name is James and I'm here. And together, we're, we're here! here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Sissy That Pod. This is the Kiki, the midweek episode where we kind of talk about things adjacent to the franchise. Yeah, drag adjacent content. We're talking about the HBO original, is it a makeover show? Would you call it a makeover show? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Queer Eye with Drag Queens. We're here. Why don't you kick things off? Why don't you give it a sort of description for anybody who doesn't know what it is? Well, I think, as I, as I said in the intro, I think that like Queer Eye with with Drag Queens is, is probably a fairly succinct description. Um, I, it... it it, I suppose it's it's kind of a makeover program, but with like a social justice sort of center in that it's like looking at queer um, people's place in rural American society and talking about kind of how um, disparate people can be and how separated people can be and looking at the rich type of experiences that those rural, less accepting communities uh, kind of the people go through. I think that... I also think it's 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 um it's very moving and very raw. I I would say I would say it's it's raw and moving. The only, the only thing I would hesitate to call it a makeover show is that it isn't really about their lives per se. It's not like they're changing their house. It's not really like they're changing their wardrobe or changing how they live their life. It's kind of just more of we're arriving here and we're putting you in drag and hoping that has a knock on effect. I, d- I don't know. But I suppose it's sort of a makeover for the soul in some ways because it's yeah. um, because it's about it's about helping these people find the confidence within themselves and usually like it builds up to a person kind of dealing with or um either dealing with or or kind of working on a particular issue that they have or something that sort of has been um that, that that's been causing them sort of pain and that they need to rectify and so that's a lot of the storylines are coming through it's, it's the drag is used to to sort of heal a pain or make right make right a wrong or kind of like make a statement about their life uh, at the point that it's in um, so yeah, I'd agree in that it's not a makeover and that like no one's getting a new wardrobe and nobody's taught how to make um, guacamole, but it, mm. um, but it definitely, I think like in terms of that kind of, they do a much more effective job than Karamo in like sort of that sort of spiritual side of things and that sort of like yeah, sense of self. I have a theory when it comes to Queer Eye, which, you know, we're not really talking about at the moment, but like the better looking the guy, the less useful his role is in the show. <laughs> Um, I disagree because I think Bobby's the most attractive and he does the most work. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and like Anthony, yeah. I, I, always, I always feel sorry for Anthony because I do think kind of that, um, you know, he's pitching the rest, the, the like recipes that he's like preparing for these people at the level that these people are kind of capable of. So obviously it's going to be like super simple to make stuff because, you know, these are people who don't know how to cook. The thing with Karamo that I think is interesting is that obviously initially when that, when that, in that, in that show, the career, when it's career for the straight guy, that would have been like, Oh, I'm going to teach you about opera or I'm going to teach you how to appreciate a fine red wine. Um, whereas it went from being culture to kind of more of like a, generalized well-being um yeah which can let's feel go a boxing bit, yeah or Why? like or at one episode let's go meet the person that shot you you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a bit like oh weird flex but okay <laughs> yeah so there's less of that so it's hosted by shangela bob the drag queen and eureka and each of the three will take on their own sort of prodigy with their own story mm. and they'll all sort of 
even though they each have a drag daughter per se, it's kind of a communal team that kind of works with them. And what I like about this over, you know, our, our permanent comparison here, which is Queer Eye, is Queer Eye also annoys me because it makes it look like it's just the five of them when it's like, you know, they walk around the house and Bobby's like, I know what I'm going to do here. And they're like, yeah. the next day, and the house has been stripped and the walls have all been painted to white. And you're like, okay, that was a long night for the five of you. <laughs> for poor you old know? Bobby. So at least in this, you see the makeup artists, you see the wardrobe consultants, you see the the team behind. And I think that just makes it feel more genuine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you kind of get, the, and like, I think they really make a statement out of the fact that it is kind of these particular queens leading their group of people. And that it is like, and like, I think because throughout it, they, they actually emphasize the point throughout it, that it takes a village. Like that's something that's part of what they talk about. And I think that they kind of represent and show that by the fact that they they will show like the other makeup artists and like Layla McQueen is actually there as one of Bob the Drag Queen's um, makeup artists. But yes, yeah, so you'll actually see the other drag queens, you'll see the wig experts, you'll see the people being brought in to talk about that. And each of the queens has their own specialist area and tends to work mostly around sort of interviewing and talking to whoever the candidate is or the people are. And then also around actually like choreographing the show. It's interesting, I suppose, because the three queens... I. I don't know that you would have picked these three if, if you were pitched this show. Yeah, well, especially Eureka for me now was somebody I wouldn't have considered good in a in a sensitive situation, if you put it that way. But she was very good. Yeah, no, I, I think that actually Eureka had some of the most moving... Um, first of all, some of the most moving stories are the, the, the people that she was working with came from some of the most tragic backgrounds. And she so sensitively handled and sort of... She had that sort of ability to talk to someone and, and sort of challenge them on what they were thinking and also talk to them on a level that wasn't patronizing but was able to kind of like be inquisitive. Um, and she has such a like a, mm. a gentle warmth around her, which you just wouldn't have anticipated from from watching her on Drag Race. And being the villain. Yes. <laughs> I think these three were chosen because... Obviously, there's remote parts of the US, you know, north and south, but we seemed to end mostly in the south, I think. Um, I think the three yeah. queens are from the south, you know, Eureka from Tennessee, uh, Shangela from, from Texas and Bob originally from Georgia. So I think it was like, you know, you guys kind of understand the mentality of this small southern life and that gave them an upper hand whereas if you had somebody yeah. like nina west maybe who's kind of more city living who might be a more obvious choice for mm-hmm. this uh you would she might have less of the background understanding yeah that that i suppose is true so if you kind of had gone for your like miscongenialities that they because they tended to come from like you know bend to the cram or someone would perhaps not have been able to relate as strong. So I think that the fact that they had those country roots in the three queens, it was really, was very important because this was to help them really authentically interact with the people that they were helping or the people that they were working with. Um, I would say one of my favourite kind of, because like it's, it is quite like a deep show and there's, there's actually a lot like, it's funny and it's humorous as well, but it deals with some pretty, pretty real issues. But just as a frivolous thing, one of my favorite things about it is that each week they arrive into town and these three like made over um, like camper van yeah. things uh, in the, like these personalized camper vans. Like you've got the, the elephant, the purse, and then what even, what was Shangela's one? I kind of, it was a big pink kind of glitter yeah, ball Yeah, I can't thing. remember either. I just remember the first year. But there was like <laughs> blue, pink, and yellow. So yellow was Bob, pink was Shangela, and blue was, was Eureka. So it was kind of like, those yeah, color themes yeah. kind of carried out throughout and they each had their own sort of portable 
tent area you know you could bring them and like this is your makeover station they each had a different theme and stuff which i thought was quite nice this would probably be a good point to tell people that they can watch this on now tv <laughs> yeah. um, we haven't just gone on the internet it's currently on now tv and it's going to be there until mid august or mid october mm. um and i actually would recommend going watch it there's only six episodes and i cried at more than yeah one i cried at and, maybe three yeah yeah there's there was two or three storylines or two or three people in it who, who I really just connected with and felt, you know, and just, just yeah, the, their stories really got Before to we get into some of the stories, the queens get put, I kind of feel the producers make the queens go out and walk around the city in drag and we're, we see them get openly discriminated by people. In the first episode, they go into this sort of gift shop and a man makes a point of coming into the gift shop once they leave to say, I'm never buying anything in here again because of those freaks you had in here. And, you know, you'd have to have like balls of steel to be like, OK, I'm going to open myself up to be basically discriminated yeah. against for television. No, you would need to have really thick skin. And I think that like they make a point of they, they make a point of that a couple of times throughout the season, throughout the um throughout the the series and what i noticed is when you get an incident like that because there's a couple of them in different episodes they actually let it sit in silence for a couple of seconds Mm. after it happens to almost just sort of allow you take in what you've just seen and it's like a real world example of um of discrimination and like i actually think it's quite important yeah first of all those those moments don't feel rehearsed like those actually happened those are people who who like even in in one episode where they're looking for a theater space to host a show in and the woman is is quite clearly you know get out of town i don't want anything to do with you and is treating them in such a disrespectful manner it's like it's left sitting there for you to just realize that people are going people people are treated this way I, i think that it's it's partially manufactured because I think they would have had their venue already. I think they were told, go out and look at some other ones and you'll probably come up against something. But I don't think your woman yeah. was an actress or anything like that. I do think it, so I do think they kind of were told to almost go out and cause trouble because they wanted to yeah. get that natural reaction of showing what a homophobic discrimination looks like in reality, which you don't see. Yeah, no, you don't really. And like, I suppose they could have made the decision to like leave that out and sort of you know have it be something that didn't like and have it be a show that sort of spoke about the issue but didn't really show it and i think it was actually quite good it was quite brave of them to leave it in there because it would be quite challenging for people to see because especially people who would think that homophobia exists on a scale and that like kind of it's only the upper ends of that scale is is, is where you need to be concerned about so it's like things like someone saying kind of like oh like i don't like drag queens or someone sort of like saying you freaks in the streets like isn't something that people might consider serious but it is a serious form of discrimination and if people have to live with it every day it's very it makes things much more difficult yeah like that 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 episode was in branson missouri which was kind of this city which they called the christian las vegas there was amusement parks a lot of the shows had their selling point of being in quotation marks family friendly and when the queens are walking through the town trying to sell their drag show, they kind of repeatedly say family friendly and family friendly. And it kind of just brings up that sort of idea of, you know, family friendly and how that can be a loaded term and that sort of stuff, which I thought was interesting. And the only other show I think that shows deep America, regardless of it's, you know, where it is, um, is like catfish that you see parts of the country that you that would normally make it on TV, and I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I do think that that catfish can sort of show them in some sometimes like a slightly exploitative sense, 
Whereas in this instance, it felt like the people who are participating were, were kind of being celebrated and that like that small town living in, it was also being celebrated. Like there was no judgment at any point throughout the show about the fact that, that, that these queer people chose to live in these places or like there was no ever suggestion of like, well, why don't you just move to a city? Like it was, it was kind of celebrating the fact that queer people should be able to live wherever they want to live and that they have a place in whatever town, however big or small that they choose to be in. Um, which I which I thought which I re- I really liked because that narrative of just like you know get yourself to a bigger tank because even in I think in the first episode when they were talking to um, the makeup artist he he was saying about how he had moved to bigger towns a couple of times in his life but then had found himself sort of either wanting to or needing to come back so it's like you don't have that option always to just move to move to Dublin yeah <laughs> how's your head stuff as you know Sister Pod is part of the Head Stuff Podcasting Network which is an Irish Ireland biggest and boldest and brightest and most beautiful podcasting network full of wonderful shows which you can go and listen to and right now we've got a little ad from one of our network sisters once upon a time Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week we breathe new life into old stories from folklore and mythology, from the mysterious landing of the old Celtic gods, to the epic wars fought by Cúchulainn and Queen Maeve, right down to the petty squabbles between headstrong mortals and roguish fairies. We already have a huge collection available with a new episode every Wednesday. This is not just a podcast for folklore fiends, but for anyone who enjoys a good story. And who doesn't love a good story? My name is Kevin C. Olan, and I am your host and your fireside bard. Wherever you are in the world, you can always join me by the fireside. Who were some of your favourite stories in the show? So, yeah, so we, no spoilers, we won't go too deep. Uh, but I think that that one in Branson, Missouri, the storyline about Tanner, who is mm. a... Th- there was a storyline, it was a mother and son who were doing the drag transformation together. I believe that they were Bob's project in that, in that episode. And the story centred around um, Tanner, who was in his early 20s or, or early to mid-20s. He was a... Um, he had come out as gay, but then had gone back into the closet and decided that he was because he was just so hung up on his exposure to religion that he was so unhappy with being homosexual that he had accepted the fact that he had same-sex attraction but that he wasn't going to allow himself to act on it and he was going to live a life without trying to search for or seek out a partner or without trying to have that love and ha- like that love and happiness that that sort of relationship could give you in order to um, sort of live on what he saw as the right side of God's law. His mother, on the other hand, couldn't have been more open-minded and really just wanted him to be happy. And that friction, I think, where she was sort of trying to push him to come out and push him to to, to be more himself and just to, to, because she didn't want to see him living a lonely life. And sort of obviously, like, he was terrifically talented, super into mm. musical theatre, like a very kind of big character. And it just, it, that, that storyline right the way through was was very moving to me. And particularly highlighted by the fact that Bob revealed about her his his mother sort of similarly being born again and deciding to sort of step back from from her pro, pro, 
her sexuality in order to live in line True, with what yeah. like was was god was was god's god's will in inverted mm. commas yeah no that, that was an interesting one and it, it kind of like it's, it's kind of leading it to hope that by the end of the episode you know tana will have a change of heart and he will change his identity from christian to queer okay whatever it is so that's kind of like the path you go on which is is is, is an exciting one i suppose for this because especially when at this point you're kind of yeah. three episodes in you kind of know the format um so i thought that one was kind of like ooh, are we going to get there so we won't tell you if if he does or not but, yeah you know. That's kind of the journey I suppose yeah. I went on. <laughs> yeah. Watch and find out. <laughs> I really enjoyed um, Nate from the New Mexico episode who was an L- like a indigenous LGBTQ male. Um, and there was just a lot of conversation mm-hmm. about indigenous people. It kind of, it tickled or itched the scratch I had from Alona Verley and how little of the two spirits we got from her in Canada Drag Race. Um they're talking about like the so New Mexico in this town, Farmington, it's beside a Navajo um, area, and the people inside there are, are called Diné, and in their culture, there is no so there was like five different types of gender. There was a super female, middle of the road female, neutral, super male, and middle of the road male, and it was just interesting how these yeah. really sort of old ideas had these quote-unquote new ideas of non-binary and other stuff in it which i thought was was really interesting and we knew that you two spirit but it was just good to actually see good conversations about it yeah absolutely i also really just enjoyed the visual of the performance that they put on because that's another thing to mention is that that throughout each each episode builds towards a large drag performance in a local venue and the the three candidates or the, the the groups who've been made over will will do some performances and i actually really liked nate's performance i thought i liked the kind of the message and story in it and also just thought like the, the costumes and the like actual like mm. put on of the show exactly was yeah and actually just on that the in the in the traditional dna culture that this concept of the of the two spirit in this area anyway has been overwritten because people have been swept up by religion and it's just it reminds you of how religion can kind of railroad all these liberties and people who you know even even as part of their culture they've never been railroaded into believing it's wrong just because of christianity and stuff so i did quite enjoy that one one i thought was a bit over the top came in the first episode erica who wanted to apologize to her daughter Haley. Um, I felt bad for her and her whole song had this big reveal of this like cross stitch of I'm sorry Haley in the in the costume and I was like oh that's too far I like I think what it like I I was I was quite moved by that one okay. <laughs> um, because I, I thought that it was first of all it was I think what it, it told a really really important story which is that a person a parent can in particular can react extremely negatively to hearing that your 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 child is has is is coming out as gay mm. and that negative reaction has such a massive like that like instantaneous reaction has such an um, instant and massive impact on the the child or the lgbt person and building back up the trust in that like in that like unconditional love which you're due to expect from your parents it takes an enormous amount. And sort of we see with Erica throughout the episode that in addition to kind of doing this show, that this, like doing, participating in this story, participating in this show was kind of 
the latest in a long, long, long line of ways in which she has attempted to like build that bridge again and prove the fact, prove to the daughter that she is, that she isn't kind of the person that she was anymore. She's yeah. been involved, I think, in, in P Flag, which are the the parents of lesbians and gays um group, and then she's been involved in like lots of other outreach. Mommy to, hugs, to LGBT- I think was one. Mommy hugs, yeah, that's yeah. right. Like a lot of other like LGBT outreach to to children. And I I thought it was like. I did think that the the like please forgive me like sort of written on her chest was maybe a little bit yeah, sort of that, you know that's the only bit I felt she crossed the line you know <laughs> but no but I, I I liked I liked the story and I also think it is important first of all to show people that you know a, a bad reaction from a person at an initial point can be changed mm. and also to like you know just hopefully show people that. It takes a long time to rebuild up that trust if you uh, if you do have a if you do have a negative response initially. So you know, similar to the story we were talking about earlier on about Tanner and whether he was going to change his identity to from Christian to queer, there was a similar sort of moment in that first episode with Erica and her daughter Haley and whether Haley was going to come to the show and see her and whether they were going to meet up after the show. And you do find yourself building. And what I quite liked about this was it kind of had that catfish feel rather than queer I feel where you're like we don't actually like Eureka and Shangela and Bob don't actually know how this is going to turn out people haven't sat in a room and have decided they kind of showed up and they're hoping for the best and they're going to roll with the punches no matter what happens yeah no exactly like, there was a real sense of kind of like they were going to make a show out of it. and even like I think Eureka was her we'll call her a mentor like yeah. Eureka was her was her mentor throughout that show and the, the way she dealt with that entire the ambiguity around that mm. was really sensitive because she she was able to kind of say look the difference you're making here regardless of whether your own daughter shows up is really important and valuable and like let's hope your daughter turns up but don't lose sight of the fact that what you're doing is also bigger than than just this um, yeah and I think like actually that that episode really set the tone for me in terms of the the judges or in terms of the the mentors mm. around just how surprised I was by by how sort of sympathetic and and compassionate Eureka was. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, she definitely comes out strong in the first episode. I feel Shangela got the easiest collection of people. I feel she often just got the queer dancer kid. Yeah, I would say that in, in terms of like the, the the three mentors are Shangela, our Bob, and our Eureka. I would say that I already had an enormously high opinion of Bob the Drag Queen because I've been like following a, a lot of his stuff. He like hilarious on the pit stuff. I've watched a lot of his like political stuff he's done with Peppermint. Um and this has really reinforced the fact that like he just seems like an absolutely like outstanding person. Like mm. I would watch Bob's drag race. I, I would absolutely watch Bob drag Bob's drag race. Uh, and with Eureka, it completely changed my opinion. I'd almost, I, I yeah. sort of had, I, I was over her, didn't want to see her again. Was sort of, I remember when she walked into the Christmas special, I groaned because I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Whereas my opinion on Shangela has made, just stayed, you know, the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shangela is an old reliable, like, you know, you know what yeah, you're going to get yeah. with her and you get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose another thing about it is at the start of each drag show in each of the towns, we see one of the queens perform and everything. So it's good to see, like, you get, get to see them perform again. Like, it's not just them out of drag all the time. You get to see them in multiple costumes and doing reveals and stuff, which is yeah. also fun. It isn't just amateur drag the whole time. Absolutely. I would say that based on seeing the three of them do their, like, individual performances, it is clear that as a drag queen and a performer, Shangela's on another level. Yeah. Like her, 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 like 
her performance just jumps out of the screen. <laughs> you know, I suppose the way I see it is, you know, Shangela is the dancer, Bob is the comedian, and Eureka sort of just kind of falls between two stools, I suppose. Like, mm-hmm. she, does, she doesn't have a niche. Like, Bob will really give a really, you know, really emphatically facial lip sync yeah. and have some comedy moments within it, like a, a, a reveal into pregnancy, yeah. whatever. Uh, and whereas Eureka's are kind of just more, that's a girl having fun. Yeah. <laughs> That girl just wants to have fun. <laughs> yeah. and, and who can blame her? Who can blame her? <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know to give you like a flavor of some of the other sh- some of the other stories that are in it. They're in Idaho. There's like a team of three local drag queens and, and or drag entities. I think one's non-binary, uh, which is quite nice to see. You know how local drag can still thrive in such a small town. A trans man who's trying to you know get a break free and become more comfortable in himself. There's a woman who lost her arm and her leg in a motorcycle accident. That one I found, that one I, I enjoyed that one as well. And also thought like, cause they, she didn't want to be, um, she didn't want to be a drag queen. She wanted to be a drag king. True. And so they brought in, they brought in Landon Sider from the, from Dragula to mm. like kind of guest on the episode as well. And I, I don't know. First of all, I, I, think Landon is great yeah. doesn't have an enormous amount to do but I was just like oh yeah I like you and I remember watching Dragula you're great but it was fun to see because we've seen makeover challenges on Drag Race of like how to get a walk like a woman so it was good to see Landon yeah. give her tips of how to be a man and, and you know this cock of the walk and to point at the ladies and stuff like that yes yeah yeah no absolutely I thought that was that was really fun and also like it was like I saw Layla McQueen also like popped by there for, for a second mm. as well but it's always nice to see kind of people in the background that you recognise from things the last episode you get briefly introduced to the three contestants and then bam coronavirus coronavirus <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> so it kind of like presumably and often this happens is like a production company will make a contract to produce a certain amount of episodes so they kind of have to fill the last episode um so it's a sort of biographical episode on the three main queens so you were a fan of it i thought it was a bit dull yeah i think this episode would have been hugely interesting to any audience that this show had who w- wasn't familiar with drag race not that there wouldn't have been an enormous amount of it because it would have given a great kind of you know it would have given a great insight into who these people were i also really enjoyed getting to know the people the, the the three stories from before they got onto drag race and mm. understanding kind of who they were and how they came or like where they came from particularly eureka because eureka's story was so sort of like it really was quite sort of sad to to have been to, to have been so bullied to have like really like pushed against her, her sexuality then to sort of have sort of embraced it in such a small in a sort of a small way and like it t- t- took her such a long time to become as accomplished as she was and like i i i really felt i think over the over the course of this um this whole series i think i just turned into a eureka stan <laughs> and that just really really kind of pushed that last box i was just like she she feels like someone whose story is so authentic and i just you can see you can understand from seeing her talk about her own life how she's able to be so sympathetic and compassionate to the other people she's meeting along the way and i just think it makes it and i think i would say that with all three of them i think like even hearing kind of like bob's story and and Shangela's as well that like you can see that the hardship that they that they experienced in their younger lives it it bears through to the people that we were seeing in the season overall and I I, I enjoyed that I mean Yurikis was definitely the most tough I, like I was watching him like geez she's had a really tough time I find Shangela's just kind of the most interesting just from a fact point of view so she had only been in drag 10 times before she went on season 2 which I thought was wa- like fascinating um, and then she, she broke her leg 
um, in a, doing a death drop and then you know she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to dance again and then she ended up going into All Stars uh, 3 because I had the context of the show I kind of found those bits quite interesting whereas I suppose the actual the more interesting more harrowing human interest stories are probably Eureka and Bob at, at one stage they used some footage of um, Shangela and Raja sat in the back of a convertible in one of the world's most depressing looking pride parades um, and I did think like wow of, of all the queens for them to like and they obvi- it was obviously just after season 3 because like because Shang- Raja looked m- much younger <laughs> than she does yeah, well th- also it must have been like you know before season 3 had reached any sort of climax because Raja was wearing like a bikini top that couldn't close on the back as well I was yes. like ah oh, Raja <laughs> yeah no and also I don't know what it was like so the, the queens are filmed in quite a high quality camera in their homes in, in Paris, Texas for Shangela, LA for Eureka and New York for Bob. Um, but they have like home footage and, and pictures, but they obviously got permission to use images of drag race that were so fucking grainy. <laughs> I was like, where did they get these videos? I could get better ones off of YouTube. Like it was so bad. <laughs> So it looks like the show has been renewed for a second season. Will you be watching a second season? I I would be watching a second season. I'd be more excited because I remember the the um I remember how mind blowing I found the first season of Queer Eye, and then was less bowled over by season two. But I mm. would be very excited to see it. I think that sort of the one thing that I I would um I wouldn't like to see happen is kind of the for it to lose its heart in a way where it kind of becomes like oh my god the girls are coming to town and like everyone rushes over and it's like you know like i think the fact that that they were when they were in those small towns they i suppose were somewhat unknown like you would see that like the vast majority of people didn't have a fucking clue who these guys were but then you'd obviously you know you'd see the people who watch drag race because they would their eyes would light up as soon as they'd see them and they'd run over um so i would I'd be enthusiastic for another season. I just hope that they can keep that element of it where it's it's not kind of like Beatlemania every time they're they're coming into True. To town. I was going to say, would you choose a different three queens? I think that would give it an extra, you know, fresh or do you keep those three as the anchors? I think you keep those three. Yeah. I do think you think, I think you keep the three. I think they've established themselves that they can do the job really well and I I wouldn't want to, to pass it on to anyone else. And I don't necessarily think you could find three queens that would do it quite as well as they have. And you have a good mix in terms of like performance and comedy and then heart and soul. Mm. I, I think that it would be fun if they had like a a guest in each episode, like a different drag queen, like a Trixie Mattel or other people, you know, like a other people from Georgia, like Kennedy Davenport and stuff, just each week to kind of maybe, maybe freshen it up a bit. Because the, the issue always with with things like this is they run out of stories and they run out of different perspectives to tell um and i did sort of feel watching the drag shows in each episode they ran out of ideas for drag shows because they were like okay well we can't just do coming out somebody singing anymore there has to be a motorbike coming in there has to be a, a an elaborate story and some of the stories were very poorly told and some of the contestants were really just poor dancers and had no stage presence but you're like come on i'm behind you <laughs> That that I did actually think was kind of sweet because the fact because because the contestants sort of like you could tell it was their first 
sort of time doing something like this so you could just see how crunchy their performance was um that i i sort of enjoyed it like you're not going to get that like wow moment of like this person is able to like do all these like mad stunts and dances which i suppose limits it and that it means that the the performances are never going to be sort of like gag worthy you're not probably mm. not going to get many like death drops but i also appreciated the realness of it um because i remember there was the um the lawyer whose name I cannot remember who worked with the um the LGBT youths group in the town that she was in who like dressed extremely um masculine and was like constantly mixed up oh yeah Nicole uh, Nicole so constantly mixed it like people constantly misgendered her um and then when she was in drag with that like amazing Grace Jones hair and she looked just like absolutely stunning mm. and then she had this like amazing sort of like power suit kind of like thing going on and then she got up and she could not dance one step <laughs> and I was just like I was like you, you kind of do feel a bit cheated because you're like oh my god this is going to be sickening and then you're like oh mm. and I felt so awkward in in the Louisiana episode Shangela had a, a guy called Jose but also his friend Mario and Jose God bless him couldn't dance a step in his life whereas no. Mario was fabulous Mario was doing his own choreography on the bar top and you know sashaying through the crowd and everything <laughs> you're like you'd be yeah, livid no. if you were Jose right <laughs> yeah no absolutely so there we go that is we're here it's on now TV so we're checking out it's out to the middle of, of October as James said in the, the start of the episode so yeah we'd recommend that and if you if you watch it Give us an old DM at CCDepod over on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts. Do, please do. Um, and let us know if you're moved, how many times you cry, and whether or not you liked the coronavirus special. They're the, they're the <laughs> things we want to know. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be back uh, on Saturday with the finale of Canada's Drag Race, which is exciting. So we will talk to you then. Bye! Bye. podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.